back to the podcast. It has been a minute. I have been basically, I'm just going to cover it by saying I've been on tour with the boys, even though that's totally not true. I was just following them on tour because I'm a groupie apparently at this point and currently getting ready for the next leg of the quote unquote tour. If you can see me right now, I'm doing little, um, quote quote fingers because it's not my tour. I like to pretend it is because I'm such a diehard groupie. I was like, I need to get back on the on the podcasting grind because it's been a minute and I think I've been avoiding it because this is my favorite song on the album and I'm like, it's that thing where it's like, what if I don't make it perfect? What if I don't analyze it exactly? And what if I think of something later? Well, it's later. <laughs> it's definitely later and I think we just got to get into it. I mean, it's my favorite song on the album. It's my favorite song of all time. And I'm really excited to get into the next leg of this, like, podcast because after I finish with Punisher today, I'm going to start, like, just doing, like, album reviews. I want to do the record. I want to do home video. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do, like, all of those albums. Like, I said that with Punisher. Like, oh, we're just going to do a little Punisher review day. And it turned into, like, a six-month thing. So we'll see. I'm going to probably do my favorite songs from like my favorite albums, like Home Video and like Historian and stuff like that, because I feel like it's just a lot to cover. But we're we'll, we'll just going to see how it goes at this point. It's it's all just playing it by ear. But this song today, I'm excited about it. It's been it's been my favorite song for like two years. It really it really connected with it um, after when I was living alone in Santa Barbara and at first I listened to it for the first time when I was just kind of like giving Punisher its first overall listen way back like three years ago. This song came on and it was kind of just like whiplash you know in comparison to the rest of the songs. Um, Most of them are really soft as we know Um, and especially after Graceland 2 a super soft you know quiet song this one is is not quiet. Um, and it kind of just jump scared me a bit. I've come a long way from the point of being like, what is this? Like, let me turn this off. This is not what I need to hear right now to, okay, so this is my favorite song that's ever been released on the planet. And I want this to be engraved into my bloodstream forever. Like there, there's a, it's been a long up and down since that moment that I just was like, "Ah, I don't want to listen to this. And I think a lot, the reason I'm so excited and also so nervous to review this episode is because I think it does jump scare a lot of people, you know, if you're not preparing for like going from a super quiet, you know, just regular sounding Phoebe song to the most intense buildup and bridge and journey of your life. And it's like, it does a full 180 on you and it's completely metalinguistic because there's so many different genres just within this one song. And I think what's beautiful about it and what's great about it being the closing song is it covers all of the messages that are conveyed throughout the Punisher album, as well as all of the different sounds that Punisher really put out there, going from songs like Garden Song, where it's just a repetitive you know, track that was she like made on an iPad of like basically just one simple melody going over and over and repeating and talking about you know killing Nazis in your yard to songs like Kyoto, which are like upbeat with the saddest melodies ever. And then to, you know, songs like Savior Complex and Moonsong, which are about real deep uh, romantic pains and relationships and, you know, the kind of 
melodic tunes that they have that are more instrumental and acoustic with just like the guitar but there's there's still like a lot of production within each one as as we've discussed so i mean this album just went everywhere and i think what's great about this song is this song is like a mini representation or like a trailer for the album and you know it wasn't a single because i think it would have been a little bit too off-putting to most people hearing it for the first time but it really is once you've listened to the album it's the perfect way to close it because it's like here's a short summary of everything you just heard in this album today and that's really what this song is it's you you start the album with a track like garden song where she's kind of like hopeful and looking at the future and saying like i'm doing better than ever and talking about burying her past and burrowing it all away and by the end of the album it's like i'm driving away i'm leaving i want to be and you know we hear that in chinese satellite too like wanting to be taken from earth already not wanting to be here anymore despite you're doing better and by i know the end it's like i'm tired i've got to go it's time to leave basically and it's kind of like i think of this album as a whole kind of like a summary of her life and kind of painting the picture and like the narrative of her timeline and this is kind of leaving us with this. Okay, so there's been a huge change from the first song, which was probably the first period of her life, to this point where she's leaving the album and, you know, really craving change and maybe even the end. I know the end was written as one song originally called I Know, essentially, because it was just that first, the first half of the song as you're going to hear. And it's just kind of this slow outro kind of song like imagine the outro but it's the entire song because it's the outro of the album not just a track you know saying goodbye i've gotta go i know i know i know it's kind of at first glance it's talking about a couple breaking up you know leaving and leaving things the way they are and it doesn't mean it's for the best or for the worst it's just the way it is and so that's the first way you can kind of look at this song and it's kind of about tour a little bit you know a lot of these songs are about tour because she wrote a lot of them on tour you know this one is kind of it has a softer sound in the beginning like even softer i think than a lot of the other tracks on this album and that's saying something and this one's really just a ballad at the end of the day and she was gonna leave it at that and she was just gonna close it with a simple soft melody ballad because that is what she feels the most connected to a little bit more instrumental and you know again the same kind of thing that's always phoebe's comfort zone i'm assuming where she like chooses a song that's more of like a ballad because that's what she knows how to write really well and it feels the most easy to do and maybe even sing and she kind of kept working on the song kept coming back to it and she was like no i'm gonna add something to it we're gonna change it this is not gonna be your average ballad like we want to leave the audience on a sort of high and low at the same time and so i think that's what she did when she decided to go from the second chorus into this crazy bridge the build takes a while and a lot of people even consider the first like two verses and two courses the intro in itself even though it's not like thematically they are a part of the song and they are their own section they are not just the intro but it really feels that way because it's a six minute song basically and because it leads into this totally you know flip and capsizing of the song into all of a sudden we're underwater and we're in a totally different song in itself and i think i think somebody i know when they heard it they're like wait this is the same song because they sound so different and that's what i think is so great that we have such a diversity in this song and it just 
yeah she can like put into one song and be like yeah this is everything that i am i'm ballads and then i'm also talking about apocalyptic endings and screaming literally screaming and then at the end of the song i'm gonna record myself as if i was dying like that's how she wants to leave it's like just pure phoebe and it's purely herself and it's her doing what she wants and it feels like a real catharsis of a song if all the other songs were kind of reflections this is like letting out the pain for herself and not to it wasn't even for the purpose of being heard it's like no i need to get these emotions out through what i know how to do which is putting out music i listened to an interview with lucy dacus recently and she was like i think long songs are impressive but they're not that impressive like like if you can write a two minute song where you say everything you need to say like that is just as impressive if not more as putting out a 10 minute song where you're not able to um make it more concise and you have so much more to say and that's really what long songs are and you know i think what makes a long song impressive if it's like if it takes you places if it's not just the same kind of thing slightly off topic but i was thinking particularly about other 10 minute songs i know like the taylor swift all too well 10 minute version which came out um last year when she released red taylor's version i was really expecting that song to kind of have multiple bridges maybe like kind of do something more i know the end-esque where it really takes you into another direction whereas that song particularly kind of just it, i mean it does a little bit i will give her some credit i mean it's hard to make a 10 minutes song if you've already put out the original five minute version which is literally half the time um but she kind of just repeated the same thing and what i appreciate about long songs that aren't just kind of a repetition and long drawn out example of the same song or just you know obviously you have certain rock bands who will make like a 20 minute song and 15 minutes of it is just jamming and like that's impressive in itself but this song what is so special about it is it's a six minute song that constantly keeps the audience super focused and it's constantly changing and it's taking you to different places in this narrative of the song and i think that's particularly impressive and she's telling multiple stories within this song we start out with as we'll get into when we start to analyze the lyrics in a minute you know she starts out with talking about tour and talking about missing home and then talking about missing tour and this kind of never content where you are, right? So it's kind of a self-reflection. I'm kind of giving a summary of what each kind of section of this song is. So we start with like a self-reflection kind of, why can't I ever be content with what I have? Why can't I just be happy where I am? Really common human emotion and kind of human, just enigma that you're always stuck in. Then we get to this sort of, oh, this is about a breakup and talking about a relationship that's going to end and maybe talk going back to some themes from other songs and kind of about how it's another self-reflection more of a self-criticism as we see kind of in like savior complex like why can't i just keep a relationship together why do i always uh self-sabotage which we see is a reflection of icu a little bit and then we get to the bridge which is we start to build up almost kind of in a similar tempo almost to the level of Kyoto but it's not as poppy this is clearly building to something stronger and you know something that's going to be a little it's just more of a minor tone you know it sounds almost hopeful with a sound of also kind of you know boating for something negative that's the best way I can describe it and then we start to hear no I'm done with self-reflection or maybe not even self-reflection I'm reflecting on the fact that I'm moving on and I am going forward and I want to leave and I want to believe that there's you know kind of like in Chinese satellite I want to believe there's more this is kind of like 
I'm not just going to want to believe there's more. I'm going to imagine for a second in a fictitious world, what if there was an apocalypse? What would I do? Because, you know, she's really enthralled by this idea of supernatural things happening and like things coming from the metaphysical universe and coming down to earth and kind of just looking for more in her life and a new home and a, you know, an origin. I think this, what this song really does is it also really reflects on people who want to have an origin story and a home and a place that they can always come back to a safe haven if you will and you know being on tour you want to have this idea in your head like I'm super happy now but I also have the comfort of being able to go back to something familiar and that I know but like in this situation what happens when the thing that you knew is gone and you don't have a place and you're just looking for that place that place to call home you know go to a place that doesn't exist. Basically, my um, grandparents lived in Northern California my whole life, and I've always kind of romanticized it, but they, you know, they're kind of scattered around and and uh, the the home that they lived in for my whole life is gone now. The idea that I even have something to go up to anymore is kind of fake. And that home is not necessarily a physical place, I would say, in this situation. That home is like internal, like, no matter what I'm going through, I want to be able to know that there is this origin place in my heart where I was like truly happy and I can come back to that whenever I need to. And I think home represents comfort for her and just coming back to to just familiarity and, and peace, internal peace, right? Having a story that, you know, started somewhere, I think. And I mean, we're going to get into the song, but I think a lot of the first thing people think of is this is a depressing, depressing song. It's about longing for the end of the world. And I think that people who are really content in their lives might think that's really depressing. And I think people who maybe are more discontent with how their life track has gone and are not willing to believe that their life will be the same way that it is now for the rest of their lives i think they want to believe there's more out there and searching for their home and themselves and you know home to me means like this place that i will be happy in for the rest of my life the state of mind and also a physical location i think phoebe can relate to that it's kind of both of those things like where is my where is my end game gonna be and if you don't know where that is then you can only hope that if you keep driving, someday you're going to hit that spot. And I think that's what this song is really about. I think it's, I think of this song as like the most optimistic song ever, right? And so if you're happy in your life, then of course you don't want the end to be near. If you are happy with the way the world is and you have found that inner peace in your home, no, of course you won't want the end. But if you have not found a place and you are discontent with your life or struggling the end is near starts to sound really good and it starts to sound like oh maybe all of this is going to be behind me one day and maybe the end will be the actually the end of everything that I've been in for the last you know life and maybe my life is going to re I'm going to have a rebirth and my life will be over and I'm going to be born as a new spirit. And this can be literally within the same lifetime, of course. This is just metaphorically speaking, but the idea that maybe you'll have a rebirth and you'll find home and 
you'll go home is something really optimistic. And I think that that just really highlights a difference in human beings and the way they view the world. I mean, the idea of the world ending is really scary and to other people, it's a really optimistic thing because the world, what does it really represent, right? It just means like this lifetime, the way that people live, all of our lives combined, but like, what if there's something more out there? What if there's something better on the next corner? Isn't that a beautiful idea? To me, the end is near means the end of all suffering, the end of everything that has been her life, our lives, that has been hard. It's near, it's coming, it's not gonna, this is not gonna be forever. It reminds me of the line from Halloween. There's a last time for everything. That seems really scary to a lot of people. There's a last time for everything and maybe, you know, you'll never be this happy again, but like, what if maybe you'll never be this sad again? What if maybe there is a last time to feeling a certain way or however you want to read into that? To me, these lines that at first kind of like this song, they sound kind of dark. And then when you read more into it, you're like, wait a second, that's like the most happy and optimistic and positive thing I've ever heard. And there's also something to being like, beauty can be seen in things that are not optimistic and are not being read into more like maybe maybe she's not like doesn't want people to read into this deeper and be like maybe the end is near means something good like what if it doesn't what if it doesn't maybe she's just being extremely pessimistic and nihilistic i personally am very nihilistic so that's why i relate to this song so much and i think like yeah maybe we shouldn't read into this as a positive thing either maybe it's cool to romanticize dark things like it it's all about self-interpretation and the way you want to interpret the song. And that's why I think it's so beautiful because you can read into it whatever you want. If you want to read into the darkness, and, you know, that feels good sometimes. Just embracing the darkness and being like, yeah, this is, things are dark right now and the end is near and that's just the way it is. And let's just appreciate what we have now because it's not going to be forever. That's one way. You can think, yeah, all things good are going to go away eventually that's another way you could think maybe everything that i'm going through right now that's really dark is going to be gone soon and maybe the end of it is near and maybe i'll have a rebirth and maybe my life will be over and maybe i'll have a next life that's better even within your physical life and i think that that's what's so great about this song i know i keep saying that but anyone can see whatever they want and whatever they relate to and can find hope or not hope within this song whatever it resonates with their feelings that's what's beautiful about this song and i just i love it so much it feels like a personal catharsis every time i listen to it every single time i'm like maybe something's gonna change maybe there's gonna be a real just flip in the world just the same way that this song just flipped like maybe it's just a short concise reflection and narrative of what our lives are going to be like and what my life is going to be like and i think that's truly beautiful thing if your life is just this mundane kind of cycle of endlessly waking up and waiting to go back to sleep and waking up and going back to sleep you know hoping that there's going to be an end to that cycle and that there's more to life than just living i think that's a really beautiful thing and that's what i hear with this song like maybe if that's what the first two verses are it's just kind of slow and repetitive cycle maybe something's going to change and suddenly there's going to be a bridge in your life that's just going to take you 
up up to this build and there's just going to be this wonderful moment where you just let all of your past go in screams and you have a rebirth i would love to think that this song is like a representation of life and it you know the segments of the song the verse the intro the bridge the chorus they're just different parts of our lives that we find at different you know segments of time in our lives and i you know, it's it's a beautiful thought to think that a song is representative of our lifetimes and that there are ups and downs and bridges and builds and, you know, rises and falls in all of our lives. And that's what I think is so great. It's a representation of life while talking about the end of life. It blows me away, the, the ingenuity behind it. So without further ado, because there's been enough build to this song, I want to get into it. Somewhere in Germany, but I can't place it. Man, I hate this part of Texas. This is pretty much an obvious. It is a reflection on being on tour. And this was actually a line that is kind of like a funny story because while she was touring in Europe on the previous album, Stranger in the Alps, there was this one time where like it was raining and someone from the crew would be like, damn, I hate this part of Texas. And she said she always remembered that. And so it's kind of like this joke that's always going to be with her when you're like pissed off about getting to a new place and kind of tired of being on tour. You're just like, man, I hate this part of Texas, even if it's not at all anything like that place. It kind of just represents being tired of where you are and the place in your life, being tired of it. It just puts a perfect point, as she said, on hating tour because the first half of the song is like you hate being on tour and you hate certain things and then you hate it when you're home and you miss it. It's kind of like this cycle of wanting what you can't have and then once you get it you're like bummed out and want something else so many people have been waiting to go all their lives and including maybe herself and she's there and she's like i'm not even like experiencing it or i don't even know where i am right now because i'm just so caught up in the blur that is tour and it's kind of this idea of like it's not just a like silly term even though that's what she like says it is but i think it's also something like I hate this part where you get off the bus and you're kind of like, I don't even know where I am and I just want to be home. Close my eyes, fantasize, three clicks and I'm home. The next line is kind of this idea. I think it's a um, reference to The Wizard of Oz a little bit, kind of like traveling to all of these like outlandish dreamlike places while you're in this sort of dream state. And she's kind of like talking about how she's picturing being back home and just, you know, feeling comfort in that place. And so it's already the first term where she's referencing home and kind of this romanticized idea of it and picturing being there while she's on tour. She also said that like clicks are like a military metric. She said going on tour is kind of like that. Counting down the days till you get to go home. And then also clicks are like a military metric. Going on tour kind of is like that. I mean, a lot of people leave unresolved social situations and then they don't have to think about it. Like you kind of do get to leave your life. So it does kind of feel like, you know, you're getting taken into an alternate reality. And it's this idea of also like you can just click anything and you can get back home. Like if you wanted, you could just click a plane ticket and you could get back home if you wanted, but you know you can't. So you're just gonna fantasize about being home instead. When I get back, I'll lay around, then I'll get up and lay back down, romanticize a quiet life. 
And then she talks about here that's going to happen. She already is predicting what's going to happen when she does get back home. And it's kind of that feeling where you get where you're like, I've been waiting to be home and have that solitude and that peace and tranquility when you're doing so much all at once. And I really relate to this because I feel this way too. It's like when you're out somewhere and you're like discontent with it after a few hours and you're like, man, I just wish I was back home, like comfortable. And then when you do actually get home, you don't even know what you're going to do with yourself anymore. And you realize that peace and tranquility maybe lasts for a few hours. And then you're like, wait, I wish I was back on the road. At least I had a purpose and I was doing something. And now I don't know what to do with myself. And you don't really have the energy to do anything that you said you would do when you get home. She says, when you're on tour, at least I do this, like I'll save recipes on Pinterest and I'll decide I'm going to garden now. I mean, I've been home for like over a year and I have no garden. I think it's just that idea of romanticizing your life. And then when you get home, what you actually do is like nothing compared to what you fantasized about. And I think this also goes back to the way that she talks about like the garden life used in Garden Song, you know, on her, the first real song on Punisher, where she's kind of talking about, oh, like I'm gonna make this beautiful romanticized life for myself, but that's actually a lot harder to accomplish when you're just so exhausted from what your life has been before you got home. Like you try to do things, but you're so just exhausted with your life. And not just because like you might be, you might've gotten over your exhaustion from being on tour or whatever, but there's a difference between like physical exhaustion and then mental exhaustion where you just can't do anything and you're just like incapable of actually achieving all the things that you really wanted to do. And it's this really sad feeling where you're like, I wanted to have this like romanticized life and it's not all that I imagined it to be. And that was just what was keeping me going. No, I had come back home. And now that I'm home, like I wish I was back on the road. It's this real discontent feeling like I'm constantly going in this circle of wishing I was somewhere else and like, you know, dreaming of this home that I don't really have and that like one day I wish I could achieve if I just had the energy for it. It's kind of this like going back and forth and, you know, I think a lot of people live this way just like waiting to go back to sleep and then waiting to get up and then waiting to go lay back down and it's just like when is this cycle going to break? And, you know, you can romanticize a quiet life all you want, even if that's not your reality at all, because what you want to do with your life doesn't align with the quiet life. And that can be a really disappointing feeling. But it's also this kind of question of, is it worth it? Like, is it worth having that life that I romanticize so much to get rid of all the other things that make it the opposite of a quiet life? And it's kind of this back and forth thing that I think all artists even the most successful ones have to deal with like what do I really want out of my life do I want to be doing this or would I rather just live a normal life like normal people and have a simple life and do the things that are more romanticizable even though a lot of people could romanticize tour it's this idea of we romanticize what we don't have and we want to be like these grown adults who like she said have a garden and take care of themselves and you know, participate in self-care and have their life together when in reality it's very difficult to do when you're struggling with internal exhaustion and fatigue and depression all the time. There's no place like my room. And then of course the reference to there's no place like home, there's no place like home, there's no place like my room. A lot of people feel like, oh okay, my room is my tranquil spot. Not even like having a real home necessarily. Like if we go into the whole concept of the character of Dorothy wanting to go home, right? Home is just a state of mind and 
you know, your state of mind really lives in one room. And that's kind of like what Phoebe's describing. There's no place like my room. It's like a smaller version of there's no place like home. And it's kind of asking less of the universe. Just, just take me back to my room. But you had to go. And then we get to the line of the chorus where she starts to go into not being about tour, but more going into her relationship and saying, you had to go. I know, I know, I know. It's I was breaking up with my drummer. We dated for a long time and he brought this guitar line and the I know, I know, I know, just kind of about like breakup acceptance. And we write a lot of songs together over the course of like literally three years. I would just kind of continue to write to that really, really sad melody. The first half of the song is just like miserable. Kind of is referencing the relationship that she's been talking about in a lot of the other songs, specifically in Moon Song, which we hear in the next line. Like a wave that crashed and melted on the shore. Where she talks about a wave that crashed and melted on the shore. She's always comparing her relationship to water, where we hear, like, you're holding me like water in your hands, and it's nautical-themed, right? In that song, we hear there's a real juxtaposition between how she referred to the relationship as, like, no, it's not ending yet. Like, we're going to stay together no matter what's against us. Whereas in this one, she's kind of like, no, you have to go. It's time. It's time to do some form of self-care now that I'm home. And how she was saying, I need to let go of, you know, escaping is only works for a certain amount of time and escaping with tour is fine. But when you get back home, it's not just a romanticized place, but you have to actually face the reality you were escaping from on tour. And in this case, it means having to let go of a relationship that probably, and we know meant a really great deal to her. And she has to let you know, let it go. And when she comes back home, she has to finally start to be conscious of what her life really is. And that's what I know, I know, I know represents. Like a lot of people say that when they're kind of admitting that they need to accept what their lives is and their reality and what they need to do and the responsible things without really wanting to. Like, I know, I know, I know. It's this kind of melodic and, you know, beautifully enhanced version of the common, you know, rep repetitive line that people say when they know something really needs to change and they have to remind themselves just how much they know it but they don't doesn't mean it makes it easier to accept the fact that somebody in your life who you loved at one point needs to go because they're not good for you anymore and you're trying to take care of yourself by romanticizing your life and that's comes with that even though it's a painful thing and it's also saying like she's more aware now you know we go from that first line where she's talking about like somewhere in germany i don't even know where i am to I need to know what's going on in my life and I need to be finally get out of this dreamlike state like in Wizard of Oz and come back to my reality and accept my life. And that can be a really hard thing. Like a wave that crashed and melted on the shore, right? It's like it came as a big burst of emotion and feelings, but it's like eventually melting away from her and she has to let it go and accept that that course of nature is going to take its action eventually. And that is a kind of sad thing. Not even the burnouts are out here anymore. Burnouts are kind of like people who use drugs or just like kind of delinquents who are like not adhering to societal norms, who are just kind of 
hanging out on the beach that she says she sees all the time driving back past the beach referencing that like wave crashing on the shore again but you know if they're not even there anymore you know that the end is near and you know like this is now going into the apocalyptic more fictitious side of the song where she said the song is obviously a lot about the apocalypse and i just thought of different subsets of people that would be affected by it and the kids who hang out every day surfing when they finally go the kids who are there every single day i feel like you really know that shit's going down if the burnouts aren't even here the people who are literally not adhering to social standards you know that there's change in the air and if there's change in the air that's representative of the fact that she knows that he has to go or whoever maybe she's speaking of herself too that she has to go and it's time it's time for change it's time for the end of this cycle and you had to go i know i know i know out in the park we watched the sunset talking on a rusty swing set we get into the second verse with this kind of representation of what their breakup really looked like and kind of it really paints an apocalyptic scene which almost makes it sound a little narcissistic as if the end of the world is you know reflected around this idea that her relationship is ending and it is kind of representative of how when people are going through a breakup or any sort of really painful thing in their hearts it can feel like the world is ending and like the apocalypse is here and the end of the world is here but also it's just you know there's a lot of imagery in this scene you know being in the park watching the sunset and a rusty swing set kind of represents you know childhood and youth that has kind of worn away and been sitting in the sun unused for so long and now it just represents uh, a very adult thing of, of a really painful breakup and it represents going from something you know bright and youthful and full of fun to being something old and fading and that's kind of what the relationship really is having to move past your childhood and wake up into your adult reality and having to move into the next phase of your life it's also kind of about this feeling of when you really don't want to go do something and you want to just spend time at home but you know it's probably better for you and so phoebe says these the swings that often represented kind of the middle ground of doing something with her life even though it wasn't so being social or doing things that were probably good for her and kind of this sense of regret and then i remembered all these nights i would cancel on my friends and be like, I'm just gonna have a relaxing night in. And then by like 9 p.m. you realize that you wish you'd gone out or something. So I would walk down from this apartment to the park next door and just like sit on the swings because it made me feel like at least I left my house. I feel like I really relate to that where you like don't want to go do something and then you're like, man, I should have done it. So let me do something else instead. And it's 10 times more depressing than what you would have actually probably felt had you just gone out and not canceled plans. Although sometimes self-reflection is better, so. After a while you went quiet And I got mean I'm always pushing you away from me But you come back with gravity I think this line is really indicative of a lot of people who push people away when they're just not content with themselves and it's nothing personal and people say it's not you it's me but it actually really is that's the truth and it's not just a cliche of life it's genuinely a lot of people push away people just because they're 
hurt themselves and can't take care of their own lives and their own relationships with themselves, let alone somebody else. It's kind of like rejection, but not that because of the person that you're trying to reject. You're trying to reject all the things of your past that, you know, come with your past. And knowing that somebody's too good for you because they keep coming back to you no matter how awful um, you are to them. And that's not just, in, you know, representing a relationship romantically, but it can be about any relationship. And she talks a lot. She talked about how it's like, you know, when you get too close to people, you treat them like your parents. When I get too close to people, I start to treat them like my parents, where you just say stuff to them that you don't, you, you don't even realize is in you. I just feel like, yeah, you don't even really have to do that much to make up sometimes because both people want to make up, but you know you're being a dick and you don't have to admit that you're being a dick. You just can just kind of like float back into peace. And genuinely, probably those are the closest people in your lives to you just because you're related by blood and they're the people who gave you life. And sometimes those are the people that you treat the harshest and it feels, you kind of feel like this is so unfair to them, like that I'm such a jerk to them because I'm dealing with all of my own stuff and I take it out on them because I know I can and I know they'll always come back to me and that's so unfair. I shouldn't be given that luxury of having somebody always there for me no matter what I say or put them through just because of love, you know, and that's that's not fair that, you know, you can be so harsh towards people. Like sometimes you wish you could get like a lesson to yourself so that you can treat people better, but love doesn't really work like that. And we saw that in Graceland too, where it's like, no matter what this person does, you'll always be there for them. And and now it's kind of her feeling that firsthand in her own ways. I think in Graceland too specifically, it's a great juxtaposition to the song because it's all about being that person from the sidelines and reflecting on someone else's life, which can ultimately be easier and can have a more positive outlook than reflecting on yourself. And when you do reflect on someone else, you can see yourself as a great person because it's so easy to be good to people who are not yourself. And I think that when we see her reflecting on herself and how mean she says she feels about herself, I feel like that's really relatable. Just really relatable. And when I call, you come home, a burden it's this idea of if you find someone who continues loving you no matter how badly you treat them it's obviously something real and I think that can be like one of the ultimate tests of love if somebody can stand by you no matter what you're going through internally and what you put them through you know just as an outcome of your own personal grief and distress and you know depression and it's going into that it's kind of like having a pet they're always going to be loyal to you because you're the one who gave them love at some point in their life and you know you rescued them when they needed it so now they're going to be there for you no matter what and so she goes back to that reference that she goes into a lot in this album Punisher where she talks about the dog with the bird and the teeth bringing something a gift even though it's unwanted by the owner you know if that can be said for their relationship it's you know he's bringing her love when she doesn't deserve it or see beauty in it and it's kind of this sad feeling of knowing if that her breakup is more like a dog coming after they kill a bird. They're just ready to come back to the relationship and and show that they've changed, even if they haven't. So I gotta go, I know, I know, I know. We get into the second chorus and now it's not about you had to go, it's about it's kind of changing the story a little bit. Like, 
as she's reflecting on the breakup, she's realizing it's not my partner who had to go. It's it's me. I needed to change. I needed to get away from this and stop putting my loved one through the pain that is not their fault, but it's my own. So I've got to go. And not just from the relationship, I think. I think this means I've got to go. I've got to get out of this life that I'm currently living in. I just, it's not good for me anymore and I need change. I think this song really ultimately is just about change in all manners of the word and just needing something new and something to take away from the monotonous drone that your life has become. When the sirens sound, you'll hide under the floor. But I'm not gonna go down with my hometown in a tornado. I think this next line is another reference to The Wizard of Oz, theoretically. And you know, being swept up in a tornado. But the difference here is that she's not going to just go home and stay in the place that she called home forever, but she's looking for somewhere new to call home because it wasn't, home wasn't working out the way she expected it to. And the person that she wanted to be is not who she is. And that can be a really, a feeling that provides a lot of grief in reflection. You know, there's this line like, it's okay that you are not the person that you wanted to be, but it's really hard to actually believe that that's okay when you had so much hope for yourself and you're wound up waking up and realizing I'm nowhere near the person who I thought I was or the person I wanted to be and that that can be a really painful thing to admit to yourself. But there we go again with the admittance to, you know, and actually like accepting the reality of your life with I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know being repeated in the chorus. And I think that's why the first half of this title is called I know not just because I know the end means knowing what's coming and knowing you're at the end of your life but it's about it's just this repetitive line I know I know I need to change I know it's coming to terms with reality I'm gonna chase it I know I know I know I gotta go It also represents fearlessness, being unafraid of the change of the world. And while maybe everyone else is hiding out, trying to avoid change and the world ending, she's going to chase it. She's going to chase the storm because at least it means there's emotion and a change in the air. And I think that is really indicative of who she is. She's going to follow the storm to see what what it's going to provide her. It's also represents a little bit of like a self-harm aspect of wanting to put yourself in dangerous situations just because it may give you adrenaline or it may offer hope to yourself when it's not as much of a hopeful thing. And it's kind of if you're comparing yourself to normal people and you realize how the gap in between you and normal people is like if there was an apocalypse to happen, what would you do? And in this situation, she's like, I know I would see everyone else being normal and taking proper cover, but I would just get in my car and drive straight towards the storm because that's the kind of person I am. That's what she means when she says, like, when sirens sound and there's alarm that you need to hide and take care of yourself, she's not going to take care of herself. She's going to put herself in, in danger because that's the kind of person that she is. And she knows that's who she is, which is why she keeps repeating that. And I've got to go now. I know, I know, I know. Like, she's kind of coming to terms with the fact that if I go chase this storm, my, my time might be up. And I know that. And I'm still going to follow my instincts that may or may not be 
self-care instincts but just are the ones that she has i always think like some people would be great at survival and some people just don't value it that much and i think phoebe's one of those people my friends that were a little bit too scared to leave would be in bunkers and i would drive up the five freeway and you know go to a place that doesn't exist bridge which is probably my favorite part of the song it's where you hear the beat start to really kick in you hear the violin go into this high-pitched sound that kind of just resonates this idea into your mind like okay something's happening there's change in the air something is about to begin and it, to me this bridge it sounds and it looks in my head like just driving at top speed towards the sun which she then says in the next line that she's driving out into the sun it like perfectly corresponds with the music i don't know how it was it's so like symbolic the way the music sounds here it reminds me of like freedom and a change and purple pink skies and i just picture somebody driving at sunset like this is this song is so great to hear at night at sunset when you're just driving on the highway or even more so not even the highway now i'm like really picturing this scene in my head and like i imagine driving through some like outskirts road just surrounded by fields of nothingness that really paints this apocalyptic image in your head and that's like what i hear with this song and it just oh it's such a great bridge and just intro to the next half of the song which is now we're getting into a really fictitious side of the song it's not about a relationship it's not about her tour it's about okay now i'm gonna picture dive into this other fantasy world of the end of the world happening and what that would look like and for her it really does portray freedom it really does portray driving out into nothingness and even if that nothingness is not even like maybe she doesn't picture the apocalypse as something scary but it just means like a place with no people and what looks like no existence at all just emptiness and maybe that represents something that she feels inside of herself a little bit a little bit of just like maybe this longing for peace when you're on the road and you're like constantly around people all the time i think i really get this because sometimes when you're around people and so much existence and just so so much of living things sometimes you just want to get away from all that and just be in a world where you're the only one there and like there's nothing around you and that i think is like akin to kind of people who long to go on hikes or be in the middle of the open wilderness with nothing around them right there's a real i know i keep saying this but romanticization about being in being the only one around and after being so camped up like in a tour bus with people for months i'm sure that's what kind of inspired this next section of the song and so to her the apocalypse just kind of means like a giant change right and obviously 
we know she's also talking about like the literal apocalypse and the end of the things in the world but to me there there's also like this really beautiful thing about this idea of that she's driving to the sun and she's letting everything behind her go and she's going into this nothingness that kind of represents what she's feeling inside a little bit this kind of numbness that you you're not trying to escape but actually chase forward and just kind of live in it for a, a bit this dissociation world of of numbness and and it can feel really good sometimes let the cover me up. But, but at the same time there's like this hopefulness line like right driving out into the sun this paints this image of beauty and nature and freedom and then you've got let the ultraviolet cover me up which represents kind of this self-harm image of putting yourself in a place of danger where there is a ton of uh, harmful uv radiation just that's reaching the earth's surface now that the ozone layer is depleted if we're in this apocalyptic fantasy world and that's what a lot of scientists say would happen in that kind of situation if the ozone layer completely depletes because of all of the human you know just pollution and the human uh, carbon footprint if that really caused the, the earth cycle and and nature's natural path to kind of just break because of human existence then that's really what the apocalypse is. It's because of human beings' carbon footprint on the environment and what would happen if that environment can no longer hold itself up and what if everything breaks, right? That's what this change is. It's a change from the you know symbiotic relationship we have with Earth and suddenly it just breaks. And I think the Earth kind of breaking and losing its ozone layer, that like surface level, that represents what people feel when they internally feel this break and they need a need for change and they've had enough of being constantly like polluted by everything in the earth the same way the actual earth feels if you feel like your insides have now been so beat up and taken advantage of like the same way i'm sure a lot of people can think the earth feels after all this time of human just over consumption and pollution finally there's just a break and that's what the apocalypse really represents i think is like this internal breaking where it's like i can't handle this anymore and everything is just is just breaking inside of me and and it means change is here whatever that change really is going to be there it there is going to be change and i think the apocalypse to her kind of is like an internal reflection like if earth represents her the apocalypse represents an internal breaking and no longer able to take the pain and suffering that she's gone through all of these years. And so if that like surface layer that keeps you afloat finally snaps and you can no longer keep these this fake smile on your face and you know your cheeks are finally you know too tired like she says in the song nothing new of turning red and faking smiles you know there's going to be a break and you're going to get you have no more of that surface layer protecting you from just absolving yourself in the pain that is really deep inside of you and it's just kind of diving into that ocean of of pain and just letting it hit you basically i think is what let the ultraviolet cover me up really means just allowing the pain to wash over you because you've had enough and you can't take it anymore and you can't take pretending like everything is fine anymore which is kind of i think what a lot of people can speculate that the earth sometimes is like looking for a creation ended up with a pair of cracked lips i think this next idea is like 
how she kind of talked about in Chinese Satellite, how for so long she's been trying to find her faith and kind of see what everyone else sees in religion and how it constantly just, it doesn't let her in, in a way. She feels like she's banging on the windows, wanting to be let in, wanting to find her faith and her belief system, and it's just, she can't be let in, and it's a really disappointing feeling, and it kind of represents how so many people just say, maybe I should just take that leap and start to, you know, find my faith. And she's like, I just can't do it. A lot of people think you can find your home and you can find your your peace and that final internal clarity when you start to believe and start to find your faith. In, and with some people, it's a lot harder to accomplish that and to actually let belief in when your whole life you've been kind of hearing all of these things that make you really against that belief. When a lot of bad things happen to you, it's really hard to have faith and believe that everything happens for a reason and believe that there is someone looking out for you because sometimes it feels like too cruel and or it feels too good to be true. And it's hard to believe in good when you've been let down a lot. And I think that's what she kind of means. But also the creation myth idea is like, maybe, you know, I have a story too. I have an origin somewhere and a place where I was created. But to her, like she said, home is kind of this, it's this fake thing and it's not real anymore. And she sees that because sometimes the most beautiful things get burnt away and nothing can last forever. And that kind of altered her belief system. It's this like meeting of realism and the horrible reality of life with this beautiful romanticizable idea of belief and that there's more out there and it's like I'm looking up at the sun trying to feel something and all I get instead is my body fighting against it with giving me cracked lips essentially which is like a representation of her trying to look up and reach for belief and instead her body just like rejects it. I feel like there's such a juxtaposition between this idea of divine power and all of this greater being in the universe and it really highlights how weak and mortal humans are that all you get from the sunlight is a pair of cracked lips and Phoebe said I want the hero's journey for myself or like the origin story but I'm super, super white. And every time I go into the sun, it's just like poison. So I think driving out into the sun and and like, you know, like Icarus shit, like, and then you just get scorched. Windows down, scream along to some America first rap country song. And now we go back to the more realistic idea of just driving and looking for the sun and looking for hope. And sometimes you get this sense of like, I'm not in my body and kind of this dissociation feeling when you're driving because, you know, you've been doing something for so long that it just comes naturally and you don't have to think about what you do anymore and you're just speeding fast and you let all of the adrenaline from going fast and from looking at the sun and for a second you feel like you're in this movie or more so you feel like you're a little bit stronger and invincible and this totally freeing feeling even though you're just a person driving your car and this idea of like windows down screaming along to a song it makes you feel just this short and concise and condensed version of 
freedom and independence all in just a second when you're listening to some music that you really like and she talks about how this specific type of music it's kind of like her own internal battle it's kind of this idea of like i love these artists and they are actually super screwed up people and like why do i like the content that they put out and it's kind of this it just kind of symbolizes human beings and how flawed we are and how you can love people even when they have so many things that are messed up what they created is actually something beautiful that you can't help but love and that can be seen in all relationships with human beings and kind of this idea that even the you know people who are considered bad or wrongful all have good sides to them and can create wonderful things that other people can appreciate it's this idea that nobody's good or bad entirely and that's kind of what she's um insinuating with this line and kind of also doing some self-reflection on the fact that she's not perfect and she can't be totally ethical all the time either and that now that there's an apocalypse and nothing matters she can allow herself to like or listen to whatever she wants some of my favorite creations are by people who are extremely not good people who have done really horrible things in the world and that's kind of a disappointing feeling when you find out that something you love was created by someone who has done other things that you hate and it's like can i separate art and the creator and sometimes you just have to because you can't rid yourself of everything that brings you joy pop country radio has always been kind of close to my heart because my grandparents listen to it my mom listens to it but ever since the election it's made me realize i mean i think this is like the root of white privilege where i'm like a lot of this stuff is racist even though it's so fucked up and even though that there is no place for me in the pop country world, I know like a bunch of Toby Keith songs and fuck Toby Keith. But when I'm alone in my car trying to stay awake, especially I'll turn on pop country and I'm like, oh, I actually do know all these lyrics. A slaughterhouse, an outlet mall, slot machines, fear of God. I think... Here, she's naming four things that she hates about the world, four things that she's trying to let go of, right? You think of a slaughterhouse, an outlet mall, slot machines, fear of God. These are things that are on the earth that are kind of all man-made and kind of all damaging. And she's kind of listing all of these things that she hates. Maybe also a representation of a few of the songs on Punisher. I think this is when she starts to reflect on her life and if Punisher is a kind of representation of her life and her life story, like a slaughterhouse, I think of Kyoto in a very twisted way. It's like talking about murdering someone, right? And murdering innocent an innocent person who actually has done you no wrong, right? That's kind of what a slaughterhouse is. And then you go to an outlet mall talking about like you know how she liked to go to CBS and all of these like boring mundane chain places because it was a good place to hide in plain sight when she was having panic attacks or things like that and that's a representation of Punisher right that line from Punisher and then you've got slot machines I think of like a gaming system games in general that are like man-made that can make you lose a lot of bets kind of like how she was talking about at the Dodger Stadium and the song Halloween so we're going literally in chronological order of the track list and then you've got fear of God which is obviously a Chinese satellite reference and how it's not necessarily that she has a fear of God but she has a fear that she will never have belief which she longs for so badly and so desperately and she hates the fact that she even has that at all and so or a fear of anything so powerful and so strong 
And I think these are literal representations of each of her songs in a track list. And I think that's so ingenious of her. And it's also just naming, going from really mundane and basic things to the most incomprehensible things about the world, all in a short sentence or verse. her continually driving with the windows down she keeps repeating that in this bridge which i love which keeps representing like the wind in her hair and feeling this sort of freedom that she didn't have before now that everything else is breaking she can too and how nothing really matters so she can do whatever she wants even if it is damaging to the environment hence damaging to herself because we have kind of come to terms with the fact that this song's representation of the earth is kind of a representation of her own personal self in her own life and so you know windows down heater on they tell you not to do that obviously because you're like wasting the heater which is bad for the environment but at this point nothing matters because it's the apocalypse and so she can do things that feel good even though they're not great for you then you've got this sort of now we're painting the real apocalyptic idea there's a big bolt of lightning hanging low which is representing a different type of god like it's a weapon of zeus right but it just it really paints this like dystopian world for a second the lightning's way too close and you know you're chasing possible possibly death and the end of the world by going closer and closer to those low hanging bolts of lightning it also is a reference to the space space x launch she saw which she's mentioning in the next line and now this is talking about how like people search for the supernatural even in basic things that are human created because they're so desperate for something for some change or something awe-inspiring or even something just slightly different and abnormal happening in the world and so everyone kind of takes sides and either you've got the the controversy of the conspiracy theorist or the super realist and she kind of feels like she's in between those two things but she has this hope for something amazing happening and to her something amazing would be if that was a spaceship and not just a man-made thing you know something something unnatural but also something so surreal coming to earth with the apocalypse upon her this kind of represents the opposing sides of the way the world is constantly fighting against each other whether some, they want to believe in something or they don't one time when i was driving up i saw a spacex launch that nobody told me was happening i pulled over and opened like the internet, nothing said anything about it, but a couple people on Instagram were like, it's an alien invasion. And then I found out it was SpaceX and I was stoked for them, but also very disappointed that it wasn't aliens. Now we get to my favorite lines of the whole song. This, oh, it brings me so much joy to hear her say these lines. I mean, how comforting is it just this line for a second if you sit back and really let that hit you and hit your heart you know either way no matter what we're arguing about or what we believe there is no denying that we're not alone and we're not the only ones here and whether that just means there are so many other beings out there who have hearts and souls besides us or there are truly aliens which i i believe and we're not the only ones out here it it can be read like that, right? Like, literally, we're not alone. But also just, no matter who you're arguing with, 
and that goes back to kind of that earlier section which feels like so long ago talking about the breakup and disagreements but like no matter what is going on we are not alone we don't have to suffer alone and the idea of an apocalypse is this idea that this is happening to everyone suddenly now everyone's feeling the same thing and we have this sense of camaraderie and this sense of allyship and we're all aligned with the same story when our lives sometimes we feel like we're the only ones suffering we're the only ones who are alone and feeling all this pain for the first time you have validation and you feel like okay everyone's going through this and we're all coming together in pain and i think that's what that means and in the music video i think it's interesting the line of the song is the same, right? It says, either way, we're not alone, but she mouths as she's singing in the music video, either way, I'm not alone. And I think that it makes it clear that she, even though she's saying either way, we're not alone, like letting the audience know that this is for all of us to hear, but she has to remind herself, no, me personally, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who's breaking right now. And that's a really important thing to remember. And loneliness can be one of the most painful things to have to come to terms with and sometimes you don't sometimes you can remind yourself that you're not you're never entirely alone and i love that she reminds reminds us of that and then she says i'll find a new place to be from right it's the first sense of real hope maybe it's not on this planet but i'm gonna find a place to be from i'm gonna find an origin story a creation myth i'm all of those things that she said she can't find she believes that one day she will find her home again even if it's just an internal place of peace even if it means finding the right your chosen family your friends the people who make you feel alive and like you're not alone you're going to find your your home and your place of comfort again and it's this idea that just because you came from one place that doesn't mean it's the place that you came from at the end of the day you can choose your home you can choose your origin story and you can recreate your life and have a rebirth and choose the place you want to be reborn in and that's a really positive positive outlook and it's hope you know she's talking this whole time about how she doesn't have faith but this is proof that she is finding her own faith within her music This is my favorite line, definitely. This super major contrast and juxtaposition between something that represents internal struggles painted over with this super suburban and ideal utopian idea of the classic perfect house with the picket fence that almost makes the house look like it's perfect. And I think this represents kind of like how we as humans can, you know, paint ourselves over with a mask kind of like how she's talking about in halloween how we can like make ourselves look like we're this utopian perfect thing when in reality we are full of the ghosts of our past and just battling them and it's scary inside and you know we're just broken hinges and crumbling apart doors and floors but we can cover that up because we as humans have that power and we don't always show it when we're breaking inside it just paints this idea of a of a girl of phoebe just putting on a fake smile to cover up all of her darkness and all of the skeletons in her closet and all of the suffering that she's really feeling inside i think sometimes the the people who are going through the most have the most positive exteriors because it's what they've learned that they have to do to put on a good show and put on a, a fake smile and really sell it because they've always had to 
and they've never actually been okay. And obviously we have the ghost idea from Stranger in the Alps that she loves to come back to that really correlates with her new concept of skeletons in Punisher. And of course, to float around and ghost my friends has the double meaning. Obviously, ghosting your friends is something that people do when they're really not okay themselves and they would just rather be alone and self-isolate because they don't want to hurt more people, kind of like how I was talking about earlier. And so a lot of people, when they're really suffering, they just ghost everyone in their lives because it's easier to let go of your loved ones or not even let go, but just not respond and not make an effort to continue your connection because you don't want to burden them with your pain and so ghosting your friends that's like a term for not troubling people with your problems and floating around kind of represents this dissociated state where you're not even fully in your body and you can't possibly communicate with other people like a normal person because you're not a normal person and then this goes straight into the next line of course This is maybe her most relatable line. And it brings us to this super, super deep and controversial idea of fear and what people fear in the world and about their lives. I mean, there's such a crazy, I know I keep saying this, the juxtaposition between the people in the world, that the, the fact that there are people who are terrified of death more than anything and wish for immortality. And there's the people who long for that day. And then there's people in between, right? There's such a crazy contrast between all of the different variations of fear or not unfearing death. And in this case, disappearing kind of represents that. And that's goes back to kind of an explanation for why she's chasing the storm, chasing the apocalypse, putting herself in a place of isolation because she's not afraid to disappear and just float away in her state of dissociation. Like it's not a scary thought. And I think it baffles me people do fear death because it seems like the most peaceful thing in the whole world it just seems like floating away and disappearing and in a really peaceful way it i mean it can be painful but it just means the end is near and i don't think that's a scary thing at all i think it's it's just your time for your next chapter i don't i don't think i think like phoebe i i just don't understand the fear in that it's just it's just a bridge it's just a bridge in a song I think like what I said before, death is only scary if you are so content and so in love with your life and you don't want it to end. But like, what about the people who are discontent? Like, it, it does seem like a hopeful thing. And I don't mean this in a completely nihilistic, pessimistic way. I just mean it like it is the next chapter. And you can be content with your life and also not be afraid of death. Like, those two can totally coincide. Let's just live in the moment right now and not be afraid of the future and not be afraid of what's to come, but just be content with where we are and know that no one's immortal and that's a good thing. Immortality scares me a whole lot more than death does, I'm just being honest, and I think that's what Phoebe also agrees with. She said that it's kind of being at peace with the world and just not not needing to think about the future all the time just taking things day by day because you choose the course of your life to a certain extent i mean you don't really choose the things that happen to you but you can choose the way you live each day and that's enough and if you live without fearing what's to come and you live in the present and just not being afraid of the next day but just living with your current state of like focusing on what can you do today rather than what can you do tomorrow like it's it's a real state of peace that comes with understanding 
that it won't always be this way, no matter how good it is or how bad it is. It's just this kind of coming to terms with the fact that everything has kind of an expiration date at some point, and whenever that day comes, it'll be okay. And I don't think it's apathy at all. I think it's the opposite. It's complete contentment with, with death and with life. I did see a billboard that said the end is near and, uh, you know, lots of like aborted fetuses on the five freeway. And like, you're like, who are they giving billboards to? But then, you know, the kind of like whimsical, it's like really nothing in that verse has been whimsical yet. But then the idea, like even the haunted house with a picket fence, it's like, I see it and I want it. And then you turn around and the world is gone behind you. That's kind of the one like fiction. It's this total perfect depiction of of the apocalypse and the end of the world and like actually taking heed in the signs you see on the highway as you're driving and kind of just like again again like I'm going to keep reiterating it's just acceptance that the end is near and that's that is a truth for everyone at some point and the end is near can be referring to a lot of things your life the bad things in it the good things in it whatever you choose to, to let that mean to you that's it's the reality and I choose to look at that in a really optimistic while also being a little bit pessimistic way, if that makes sense. It's kind of this, it's, it's both of them. It's, it's this middle ground where you understand that all the good things are going to come to an end and all the bad things are going to come to an end at some point. And that's totally fine. And the end is near is something that we all need to accept in a way. And it's also, you know, a reference, like humans created those signs, right? So it's this idea that we all know that what we're doing is gonna to come to an end eventually. She takes it away from the end is near. She's now going into the future, right? And she's saying, if I turned around and the whole world was gone, I guess the end is here. And again, the end is here. She repeats it so many times because it's it's this hopeful thing. Maybe the end is finally here. It's this thing that she as a person has been waiting for for so long and it's finally coming to her. And now it's obviously way in the future. Now she's imagining her old self seeing her life behind her as it disappears. And she's not afraid of that. And she keeps repeating it. And finally, she just has her catharsis moment where she just lets all of her pain and her past go and screams. And seeing this live is a totally another, it's like you're entering another universe. It really feels like you're in this apocalyptic universe for a second where you hear Phoebe just absolutely screaming and you're in a stadium or wherever with thousands of other people all screaming along at the same time as you. Everybody's dealing with their own thing that they're trying to let go of with these screams. And there's something so beautiful and cathartic about screaming. And I just... Oh, it's just the most peaceful sound in the world, if that makes sense. I was like, I really want to scream on the end of this record. And so I kind of worked back from that and and brought meaning to it, you know? But I thought it was fun to be like the end is here of the album.
is like my favorite part of the song just all the yelling and not even finishing the sentence the end is here because it proves that the end is actually here and now it's just going to be screaming and it portrays dying and the world actually ending in this super like depressing and dark way but also some there's something so beautifully relieving about it at the same time it's like a release of pain at the same time and that's what the screams represent to me and then you hear this kind of like right when you think it's about to end she starts to scream again and then this time as it starts to subside it all just fades away and it really it really paints this image in my head like everything in life is sort of fading away and suddenly she's just breathing her last few breaths of air and it represents the end of this album the end of this period of her life and it's almost like it sounds so eerie it's like she's giving her final call to the world and that concludes this song it's the most beautiful song in the world to me it, it means so much to me and and yeah it feels like a breath of fresh air it feels like honesty and openness and screams need to be heard and they need to be everyone needs to scream like this at some point i really believe it and it reminds me it's a great parallel to she knows she lived through it to get to this moment and i imagine the sensation it probably feels to phoebe to when she was screaming that lyric every single night the end is near the end is near the end is here there's just so much depth in that 